Good morning. Welcome to Open Life. We're so glad that you're here today. We're starting a new series today, um, and it's involving Jesus. And so, but first, before we do anything, um, up in Mill Creek, Washington today, um, an old pastor who used to be here, his name's Shane McCroskey, if you remember him. He's actually starting their church services today at their service, and so I thought we could pray for them. Um, as it's their first day, there's always things that arise, technicalities, difficulties. So why don't we just, you know, pray for them, um, just that God would be with them, that God would really bless their ministry there. Um, at, it's called Canyon Creek in Mill Creek. So, dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for just the, our time together here at Open Life, God. And we just pray special blessings over Shane and Haley. And we just really ask, God, that you would touch them and bless them on this day, that you would really um, just... Uh, give them just a little bit of your favor, God, and just, uh, just bless them in mighty ways. God, I pray for a packed house there, and I pray that you would use Shane to speak uh, truth and to speak encouragement over the people in that community, God, and I pray that you'd use him in a powerful way. In your mighty name, amen. So thanks for being here again. I'm so glad that you guys are here. We actually started this new series, and there, I feel like there's some explaining to do because um, there could be a little... Th- thing that is just confusing about this. So just, I need some crowd participation. With a raised hand, do you know what that symbol is before the Jesus? Just, you can raise your hand. It's okay if you don't know. If you think you know what it means, even raise your hand. We've all seen that symbol before. And so, obviously, it's a pound sign, right? And so the name of our series this month is called Pound Jesus. And so we are just going to pound him and pound him and pound him. I'm just kidding. It's actually, um, in truth, it's a number sign, but the name of our series is actually hashtag Jesus. And so instead of writing out hashtag, we want to be relevant with times and with Twitter. And so we put what we call a hashtag because that's what Twitter has hijacked the symbol to mean is a hashtag. And so maybe this is all confusing to you. Twitter really only came out and is big in the last five years. And, and so really the name of our series is hashtag Jesus. Not number sign Jesus, not pound Jesus, not pound sign Jesus. It's hashtag Jesus. And so to clear things up, to explain how to use the hashtag, why don't you watch this really quick video explaining what that is. Let's go over using hashtags in Twitter. Hashtags are either the pound sign, the number key, but in the Twitter world, it's a hashtag. And it looks like that. You can already see some down here below. Digifile, Alex Howard, has one civic media and news challenge. So if you want to know more about the topic, simply click on it. Everyone else who is talking about that has the hashtag right before news challenge. And these are all the, all the other profiles who have spoken about it. So it seems a little confusing, but it, it can actually be really helpful. Say that you have an event going on and you want all your followers at the event to talk about it, you'll just ask them to use the hashtag and then say conference 2011. And it will come up in the news results just like the other one did. So hashtags are a great way to search for what you're interested in. For example, I'm really passionate about human rights. So I can either put human rights here at the top and search for it. And it will show me all the top tweets of everyone else who's talking about human rights or I can go to a third-party website like hashtags.org. I can either type in human rights here, or I can check it out 
here at the bottom because these are all the popular trending topics. So it's gonna show me what percentage it's being chatted about and then who's talking about it here under user and what they're saying. And if I want to, I can check out their profile to see what they're all about. So that's hashtags. All right, so pretty simple. All you have to do is if you're on Twitter or anything and you want to talk about a specific topic, you just put a hashtag in front of it and don't put any spaces and you write that. So for this series, we're hashtag Jesus because we're talking about Jesus for the five weeks leading up to Easter. And so if you're so inclined to go out and join Twitter, if you don't already have it, we're um, pushing out a, a hashtag that we want you to fill out if you want to talk about Jesus, what he's done in your life over the next five weeks. It's going to be hashtag Jesus and then OL for open life. But we don't want you to have to write open life out. So Jesus OL. If you have Twitter, if that's your thing, we would love for you to do that because um, it just creates a kind of a community online and it creates a little chit chat. And so me, people are like, well, what's that Jesus OL thing? What is that about? Well, they just click it and then they could see all the tweets going on at Open Life from everyone here. So anyway, if you want to know my personal top five hashtags, uh, there's a little thing I looked up. My top five hashtags are hashtag Seahawks, hashtag Huskies, hashtag replace, replacement refs, hashtag UW, hashtag Oregon. So yes, they're all like involving sports. And the pathetic thing is, three of those hashtags are things I really hate. And two of them are actually only things I like, which would be I like the Seahawks and I like Oregon. And so the things I hate are UW, the Huskies, and replacement refs because I'm a Packers fan. So that's just a little fun fact for you. And so I want to explain what this series is about because it's about two basic things. The first thing is Jesus, and the second thing is Easter. For the five weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to be talking about Jesus every single week. Today we're talking about love involving Jesus, but we're going to be talking about a different thing involving Jesus for the five weeks leading up to Easter. And so on the 31st, we want this place just packed with people, whether it's friends, co-workers, family, whoever it is you know, we want you to invite them to come on Easter, especially if they've never been to church before, if they've never had an experience with Jesus or with church. We'd love for you to invite them on that Easter, because it's really a celebration for us for our salvation, but it's also a celebration for new people to come and experience who Jesus is, because that's what we're all about here at Open Life. And so today, take some nuggets from what I talk about Jesus, come back next week, but I, I want you to realize that we could probably talk about Jesus for five years and still have more stuff to talk about. And so five weeks, we're just going to be skimming the top about who Jesus is. So I encourage you to be in your Bibles over the next month, looking at specifically, I want to challenge you to read the book of John, because that is going to be, that's an awesome book involving love, which is what I'm talking about today. So today's topic is love. Jesus is love, and he came to earth out of love. So let's jump right in. The verse that you're always going to hear involving Jesus and love is John 3.16, where he says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved. What did he love? Well, he loved the world. The whole Bible is a record of God's love for mankind. He created all of creation. Before the world, God was there. Everything in it, God made it. So the first point today on your handout is God loved us from the beginning. 
And so if you're going to talk about the love of Jesus, it's really important to talk about, to start from the very beginning. And so you get a better understanding of who Jesus is when you look at the whole picture. And so you see from the beginning of God, beginning of creation, God loved man. He created Adam and Eve to live with him in the perfection of his creation. As part of his creation, God so loved us. God so loved man. But then, through Adam, sin entered the world. And because man has free will, God would continually need to guide man to urge us back into right relationship with him. And so, basically, what I'm describing for you is really the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. But there's some really, like, stories that you really need to know if you're going to understand why Jesus had to come. And so next we have the story of Noah and the ark, where man had turned into something that God wasn't proud of, and so he sends a flood to destroy all of mankind. But because there was one man, one family, that decided to keep God's commands and to honor them with their lives, he saves them, puts them in an ark, and saves all the animals. Well then, as time went on, God chose one man to be the father of all the descendants of God's chosen people. His name was Abraham. He had sons, um, Isaac and Jacob, And so from Jacob comes the 12 tribes of Israel. And so in the Bible, as you read, the whole Old Testament is about God's relationship with his chosen people, a group called Israel. And so it's the same, the Israel place is the same place that we read about in the Old Testament. And so everything, if you ever want some background on that information, that's in the book of Genesis. And so then when you move to the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, then you're talking about this key time where the um, people, God's chosen people, moved to Egypt uh, because of famine, and Egypt had all the food. So they moved there to live. And so at first they're favored, but then eventually they become slaves in that land. And so God has to create a way for them to be delivered. And so that's the book of Exodus, talking about Moses and God delivering them from Egypt. And so this is all crucially important when we're talking about why Jesus came. So just stick with me for a minute. So God delivers them from Egypt, He's favoring them. He has a promised land for them. But before they go there, God has to set up, establish a new law. And so you hear in Deuteronomy 6.4, this is one of God's first commands of love. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And so this is the first time God commands the command of love for God's chosen people. He's saying, love me. I am one. You need to love me first. And so you'll see a connection with this when we talk about Jesus' teaching on love as well. So from this point on in the story, in the Old Testament, God sets up guidelines for how to live in right relationship with him. He sets up laws of dealing with sin and finding um, forgiveness through offerings and through sacrifices. So for centuries and generations, there would be times where the people of God would follow God's commands and they were favored. But then, as God favored them, poured blessings on them, they began to be prideful, thinking that they're the ones who brought that blessing. And so they would turn from God. And so then things started, bad things would start happening to them. And so then there would be one king or maybe one ruler who says, you know what, we need to turn back to God and start following his ways. And so then after that, there would start to be favor and blessings poured poured out on them again. But then you would see them just returning back to their old ways. And so it's a repetitive cycle of people turning to God, him blessing them, them feeling like they're better than God now, turning away from him. And so then, finally, they're so, like, low that they have to turn back to God. It just kept repeating and repeating. 
And so the key theme in the Old Testament, and the thing that we're really going to hit on today, is that God's love endures forever. 1 Chronicles 6, 16-34 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. The word endures, what does that emphasize? It emphasizes the covenant, loyalty, faithfulness, and steadfast love of God for Israel. If you look in the Psalms, the psalmist and David wrote many Psalms that ended in uh, God's love endures forever. There's even one Psalm where they say a phrase, and then afterwards, God's love endures forever. It was something that the, the Israelites, God's chosen people, needed to understand is that God's love endures forever. And it's something that we need to understand today. The definition of enduring is to suffer patiently, especially something painful or difficult. And so if you think about what God's love was enduring, it's repeated betrayal, it's arrogance, it's pride of his people. Time after time, God made the best out of the situation in which his people had put themselves in. His people would rebel, and God would correct them, and then tell them how to get back into right relationship with him through laws and commands. Again, they would sorry, again they would rebel, and then he corrects them and reminds them of his love and protection of his law. And so you see, it's just a cycle. God loving his people continually, but them turning to him and turning away from him, turning him and turning away from him. God's love is enduring to last through that. God's love is an enduring love that is forever. And it's important to realize that God's love never ends. There is no stopping point. Continually his love is poured out from the beginning on his people. God's love is eternal. Before creation, God loved. And that's important to understand, when we're, especially when we're talking about Jesus. So point number two is Jesus is an expression of God's enduring love. God's greatest gift from this enduring love is Jesus. You see, God gave his one and only son, and it was out of God's love that Jesus lived his life. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died still being perfect and at the perfect time. Romans 5, 6 through 11 says this. Paul's writing. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we are still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? But the best part of this verse comes next, because it's why we celebrate Jesus, why we celebrate Easter, and why we celebrate Jesus. Because in verse 10 it says, For if while we were still God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through his death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we now have received reconciliation. So the problem of our sin is reconciled through the death of Jesus, but we are saved through Jesus' resurrection. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus out of his enduring love. An enduring love that lasts forever. 
So 2,000 years later, where we are today, from when Jesus came, what is our response to that moment? That one specific moment of love. What is our response to God sending Jesus to this earth? What is our response to the life that Jesus lived? What is our response to his resurrection? And so our response has to be coming from Jesus' own teaching of love. Multiple times Jesus took opportunities to show a new expression of what love was. Because so many times people thought they knew what love was, they tried to do what love was, but they weren't doing what God's love meant to do. And so Jesus comes, and he starts living a perfect life, and he's starting to correct people. He's saying, you have it all wrong. And so our third point is this, Jesus illuminates love. Imagine that love was a light bulb. A light bulb is always going to be a light bulb. It's made of glass. It's made of metal. It's a light bulb inside of a lamp, even if it's turned on or if it's turned off. But the light bulbs are always going to be best when they're serving their purpose. And that's when they're turned on. That's when they're giving off light. So imagine that love is a light bulb. Jesus illuminates love. Love has always been love. People have always thought what love meant in their own lives. But when Jesus spoke about love, it's as if he turned on love. It's as if he, his teachings teach us how to fulfill love's purpose. And so imagine that, that if love is a light bulb, Jesus turns it on. Jesus illuminates love. Jesus didn't change love, but he fulfilled love's purpose. Jesus talked about the attitude of just love being something we think it is. In Matthew 5, 43-44, he says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is taking a common thing that we think is that we should love our neighbors, but, you know, if people don't like me, I can hate them. But Jesus is saying, no, you need to love those people. Luke 6, 32-36, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. You see, Jesus turned common practices of love and said, that's not good enough. You should do more with love. Love is not for us to feel good. Love is always for others. Jesus pulled back the curtain of love, showing us true love that God has for people, and desiring that we would be able to show them that same love to others. Jesus loves us, so we are to love others. Jesus illuminates love. He turns on love's purpose. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40 is a dialogue between Jesus and a teacher of the law at that time. And listen to what Jesus, where Jesus ranks love in life and how we're to live. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So this question is being asked of Jesus. Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. 
And so we see a connection to what we read earlier in the Old Testament, that God's command is, is to love him and to love him only. So Jesus goes on and said, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is saying that everything in life has to do with loving God and loving people. Love God first, then love people. He didn't say love God first and hate other people. He said love all people. He explains that everything we read in the Old Testament is based on loving God and sharing that love with others. If you do anything in your life without first loving God, then how do you know what you're doing is what God wants you to do? And if you do, if you get to that point and you start to live your life, maybe you love God and you're doing what you feel like he's calling you to do, but then you don't love other people, how are you fulfilling God's purpose for your life? Jesus so loved us, God so loved us to show us the purpose of love and that's to love others. That's to bring people closer to God. Life comes when we fulfill love's purpose. And at a time in Jesus' life when he was getting ready to be crucified, because Jesus knew what was coming, he knew what was going on in his life, he knew the love that God had for his people, and he knew that he needed to fulfill it, that it was his mission to come to earth and fulfill what God had as far as love for all mankind, for all eternity. He teaches his disciples this crucial thing. And so it's in John 13, 34 through 35. Jesus says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And so no longer were righteous acts okay for just for getting in good relationship with God. No longer was it all right to be judgmental of others and saying, well, you know, you're not as good of a, uh, well, at that time, you're not as good of a, a follower of God as we are. The people that did this were the Pharisees. They would just look at all the bad things that other people did and just prove to you that they were better than you with the things that they did for God. Jesus is saying the command is now love. The command, the things that we have to do is love. As Jesus loves us, we love others. A new cycle has been created. Think about this in the context of the story. Jesus is hours away from being crucified, yet he taught his disciples to love. He didn't cower or pity himself. He taught them to love and let that power sustain him. Each of the disciples would see their friend, their leader, and their teacher, Jesus, being beaten, bruised, whipped, and put on a cross in just the next night. Yet Jesus told them to love. Yet Jesus told them to not hate their enemies. He told them to love their enemies. So they watched him die. Jesus was put into a tomb, and Jesus' command was to love through that, to love through that experience. In a time when hate was rising up, the response of the Son of God was to love. And so three days later, love was illuminated. Love was turned on because Jesus rose from the dead. And so I find so much encouragement from that because you get to see the full culmination of what love is, and that's Jesus. That's who he is. 
And so if you think about the message of Easter, the things that we're preparing for, the things that we want you to know about Jesus, it's all culminating in Easter on the 31st. Easter is when God's love is illuminated to all people. He sent Jesus because he loved us so much to live a perfect life, to die a perfect death, and to be risen again perfectly for our salvation, for our grace, for our forgiveness. It's an awesome love story that God has for his people. And so out of this illuminated love comes the command to go. Jesus commanded the disciples right after this story, after he was risen from the dead, he began to command his disciples, his 12 friends, his 12 buddies, he commanded them to go into all the world and begin to make disciples of Jesus. Each one was now responsible for spreading God's love through the message that Jesus gave. The way this happens is only through love. Jesus said that people would know they were followers of Jesus by the way that they would love. That is where we find ourselves today. Our mission at Open Life is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. It's the same mission that God gave us 2,000 years ago that he gave to the disciples. We're trying to fulfill that today. We're trying to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And so I want you to think about this. We at Overwife are just clenching onto God, and we're trying to grab as many people as we can to come and join us in that relationship with Jesus. With one hand clenched at God, we reach out to this community through the love that we have through Jesus, through connection, through serving, and through sharing love with this community. We try to lead people to Jesus. It's the command of love that Jesus gave to the disciples living out today. It's the gift that God gave this world 2,000 years ago that we're trying to live out today. And it's the enduring love that God has always had from the very beginning working through each and every one of us today. It's love. It's love and it's love. That's what we have to do. We have to love our neighbors. And so maybe this seems simple. Maybe you think I've just really simplified this whole message of Jesus just so I could talk for 35 minutes and bore you. But it truly is this simple. If we would just love people, if we truly knew what that love that God has for people and we had it in our hearts, think about what could happen. Somewhere down the line, it became not good enough just to love. Somewhere... People started holding signs because they thought that was their Christian right to do. They started yelling and they started judging others. And so we've complicated the message of love by judging people. And we've traded a loving hand, an open arm that Jesus has, for a mouth of judgment by the words and things that we say. People have hated the church for a long time now because we forgot that we're known to be Jesus' disciples not by the things we say, not by the things we do, but by the way that we love people. And so what I love about Open Life is that we truly believe in the uncomplicatedness of that message of Jesus, the uncomplicatedness of what love is. We're willing to get out of the way so that Jesus' love can come in and do his work. Yes, we teach scripture, but everyone is welcome to come in. Dad said it earlier, no perfect people allowed to experience what it is we want them to know, and that is Jesus. 
Love is always going to come first. Love is simple. Listen to this message, message from 1 John 3, 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. It's a simple, simple message, but it's also very challenging. It takes initial, small steps of love combined with faith for giant leaps of what love can do. And so can you just imagine what the power of Jesus' love has in this community? The love of Christ has the power to reach into people's lives and bring peace to restless hearts. The love of Christ has the power to heal broken families, to provide hope in times of hopelessness, the power to guide you if you feel lost. Yet sometimes we try to solve all these problems on our own, and we try to do our own thing, and then we lose the message of what love is. It takes humble, broken hearts to receive the love of Christ. So maybe you ask yourself, well, why does God love me? Why does Jesus love who I am? I've done some pretty terrible things in my life. I've said some bad things. And so the way I like to look at it is this. Jesus' love is like the times when I'm sitting in my kitchen getting ready to do dishes, and there's a greasy pan sitting in my sink, and you know there's the water that kind of rises on top, and then it's all greasy. One of my favorite things is to drop the little dots of dawn right into the top, and then to see the grease just disperse. And you're like, wow, that's like, that's grease. This is like grease-fighting power that's in this dawn soap, you know? But so, but you see, that's what love does. That's what Jesus' love does in our own lives. When we have that greasy, grimy stuff that's called sin in our lives, Jesus' love comes in, and it disperses that sin from our lives. It says, that's no longer in you. I love you. I'm here to forgive you. I'm here to let you have eternal life if you just trust in me. It says in 1 Corinthians 6.11, after a list of all these sins that people had in the Corinthian church, Paul says, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Each day is a new day to continually approach Jesus with humble hearts and to say, you know what? God, I've messed up. Each day is a lesson in learning, learning to walk with Jesus. And there's always going to be progress, and there should be a desire to start living out the love of Christ. Not to puff ourselves up, not to say, oh, look at I go to Open Life. I go to such an awesome church. We do so many great things. The reason we do that is so more people come to know who Jesus is. And as your life changes, Jesus says that other people will begin to see it. And as you begin to love others, Jesus clearly says, he says, others will know who I am through the love that you have for others. It's that simple. Jesus says, others will know me because you love them. You'll be known to be one of my disciples if you love. 
And so there's, in closing, there's a way that I've thought about love ever since I was the age of 12. See, at that time of life, I was in this transition. My, my family had moved to a new city. I had no friends. I had no hope. I was just like going on. And the whole reason that we moved to that, um, we moved from Portland to Spokane. The whole reason we did that is so that we could be closer to my family, so that we could be closer to my grandpa who lived in Montana. And so I just loved my grandpa so much. I loved like who he was. So we moved in August and uh, my grandpa um, later that year was, had this heart procedure and it was really serious. It was something that like was going to be really bad. Well, during, this, during the surgery, something complicated happened and it just didn't work out. And so they were, he, he could, they were keeping on life support to keep him alive and the whole family is going to come together because basically he was going to die. And so in this time of just hopelessness in my life, because I just had such a great relationship with my grandpa. I knew who he was, and we had just moved our whole family to be closer to our family. And in this moment, it was just, there's helplessness in my life. And when I got off the phone with my mom, or when my mom got off the phone, she told us, and I just wanted to, like, run off into my own little room. So I go into the dining room, and I'm, like, ready to just start bawling. I'm ready to just, like, cry. And all of a sudden, my dad comes in, the other room, and so I, you know, I'm like, I'm like, you know, covering my eyes, like, I'm like, I'm fine. He just puts his arm around me, and he just hugs me, and he says, you know what? It's okay. It's okay to cry. And so I just remember just bawling, like I'm not doing right now, and so I just remember just crying in his arms, and him saying, it's okay to cry, and just being in his arms, ever since that time, I will always have that memory because it's how I relate to Jesus. Every time when I pray, I think about God's arms, his big arms, just coming around me and saying, whatever is going on in your life, I'm here for you. I love you. And so that's what God's love is. God loves us like his little children like the way you love your children, like the way you were loved by your parents. And if you weren't loved by your parents, then you have a Father in heaven who loves you so much more than that. The thing, I have that mental picture of my Father loving me, but how awesome is it to know that God's love surpasses that times infinity, times eternity. That's how much God loves me. And so today, you could probably be in three groups of people. Maybe you've come here today, and you've never experienced that love of Jesus. You've just never felt like it was for you. You've never felt like you needed it. And so could I encourage you to maybe take a step today to humble yourself and maybe say, you know what, maybe I had it wrong. Maybe I do need Jesus' love in my life. It's your decision. There's, there's no force. I'm not going to force you to do anything. That's totally not what open life is about. But if you are in a point in your life where you say, just the way that I'm doing life is not working out, it's time for me to surrender to God, then that's what we're about here at Open Life, is helping you do that. If you just mark that on your connection card, we'll love to get in contact with you and just talk to you what, about what that decision is. 
But maybe you're in a second group where you say, I am a Christian, I have accepted Christ, but I'm going through some really rough stuff in my life. I'm really going through some trials right now, and I really just need that love. I need that embrace. I need that comfort and peace that God provides. Well, that's what we're here to do as well. We're here to pray for you. We're here to walk through things that are going on. And so you, if you have something going on in your life, we use the connection card to pray for you guys. There's also pastors that are always here, me, Brian, James, that are always here to pray for you. We have leaders who maybe invited you to come to Open Life. We'd encourage you to talk to them. But we'd love to pray for you. We are a community of people who love Jesus. And if there's any place that you can come and feel loved, that's this place. And we want to do that for you. And so the third group that you could be in is maybe that you're realizing that the love of Jesus that he has for you isn't flowing out the way that it should be. Maybe if we went to your work and quizzed your coworkers, they wouldn't even know that you're a Christian. Not because you're a bad guy, but just because you've just never even chosen to like step out and love them in, in a way. Maybe you've never helped them. Maybe you've never even talked to them. Maybe your family, if other than coming to church, wouldn't even know you're a Christian by the way you love them. And so it's a, it's a challenging step, but it's a simple step. But it takes simple steps of love coming from Jesus to go out to the people around you. That's what Jesus called you to. He said that we will be known to be his disciples by the way that we love others. And so you could be in those three different groups, and I just encourage you today to do some self-examination and see what's going on in your life and what do you need. Do you need Jesus to be your Savior do you need Jesus to help you get through a trial in your life? Or do you need to start giving Jesus through the way that you love others? Romans 8, 35-39 says this about love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. Nothing you've done, nothing that's ever been said to you, no label that anybody has ever put on you before can separate you from Jesus' love. That's what open life is about. That's what we're about today. Three action steps that I want you to take away this week is to pray for someone you can invite to come on the 31st for Easter. Pray every single day for that person. You know, it's, I agree, it's challenging to tell people about Jesus. There's that, first there's that wall that goes up. And oftentimes people think you have an agenda when you're trying to talk about Jesus. And it, it's hard. But God gives strength and power. God loves you so much that he's not just going to say, yeah, love everyone, and I'm not going to give you any help to do it. God gives us power to love others. 
And so think of one person who you can pray for. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a coworker, whatever it is. But think of one person that you're going to pray for this whole entire month just to invite to one service. It's going to be awesome service, a time of celebration, a time to have fun. There's going to be Easter egg hunts for the kids. It's just going to be a time to celebrate Jesus. It's going to be a time to celebrate each other, the church, because that's what Jesus came and died for, is for us. The second thing is, read through the book of John this week, maybe take a couple chapters a day, and just read it, because that's the love gospel. If you ever, if you ever want to read a gospel where you just want to be encouraged about Jesus' love for people, Jesus' love for others, read the gospel of John. And the third thing is, come back next week for more about who Jesus is. We want you guys to know more about Jesus. Jesus is the reason that we do everything. And so this message, this hashtag Jesus thing that we're trying to be all hip and like current about with Twitter and stuff, this is all about Jesus. And we're excited to be able to do that and just to talk about who Jesus is. So I'm going to pray. James is going to come up and end the service. But just think about those three things. Think about which group that you're in. Do you need more Jesus? Do you need help through going through something? Or do you need to start loving more? Think about those things this week. Dear Lord, thank you for just a time to talk about your amazing love that you have for us. God, you so loved us that you sent your son Jesus to this earth to live a perfect life, to die a perfect death, and to be, to be resurrected three days later. We thank you for that, God, because it is our salvation. We thank you that we can have eternal life in you. But God, there's always things that we can work on. There's always things that we're going through, God. And so I just pray for those that just need a little bit of that love that you offer, God, this week. I just pray that you would be over them, that you'd be over their situations, that you'd move through them in mighty ways, and that your heart would just be ever on their heart. That they would have the strength to get whatever situation you have working in them. And God, I just pray for this coming series. I pray that you would work through people's hearts, that we'd know more about who you are, that we'd know more about you, Jesus. And I just thank you, God, for your blessings. I pray for that Easter service, and I pray, God, that you would just bring people, that you would just flood people through these doors, that we'd have to put out so many more rows of seats and chairs, God, and that more people would become to know who you are, God. So I ask all this in your mighty name. Amen.